and the Mouse, we're back. Hi. I'm Dan Fromer, along with Lauren Sherman, covering the technology of fashion and the fashion of technology, or something like that. I We just realized, setting up the microphones, that we, we've passed our ninth anniversary as a, as a podcast, <laughs> which makes us maybe the oldest podcast in your app, but maybe. this is... Also, Maybe. only the 51st show we've done, so we're now running at, uh, at an average of less than five a year, which is unacceptable. So we're going to try to do something about that. Do you think there are a lot of podcasts like this that people just randomly do it? And do you think, how many people do you think have kind of stuck with it for nine years? Well, Ira Glass has. But, but like in this very <laughs> like silly way. Probably no one. I was... At one point, we did have traction. We did peak uh, probably five years ago. No, it was probably or eight years ago, fourteen or thirteen, seven years ago. Uh, At who the beginning, knows? we had guests. We had guests. We had Chris Black on before he was a famous podcaster, and Chris Benz came and too. Chris Benz, lots of Chris, all of the Chris's, Claire and Erica. Before they were famous newsletter writers. Before they, yeah, they were known just as Claire and Erica. Amazing. Well, well, we're going to work on that. We're not going to make any hard promises, but yeah, I don't know. There's a reason that we again. set the microphones up today. Yeah, let's try. Let's try. Uh, some some we personal news. Yeah, uh, we don't have. It's not like we have a lot to do. It's not like we have an entire new life to manage. Or yeah, anything. Uh, something important happened since the last episode of this show, which is that Lauren uh, gave birth to our child. <laughs> Fritz. Yeah. Fritz. Baby Fritz, who's uh, four months old, maybe by the time I post this, um, on the 11th. Yeah, he's currently at the park with his babysitter, soon-to-be full-time nanny, and I go back to work, which is why we were able to do this. Yeah, so... But someday he might just be sitting here and chit-chatting with us I was kind of planning way. on editing out, or not editing out, leaving in the, the odd coo or, uh, or goo or uh, yelp or sometimes cry. Not too, the, not too many cries. I'd say the issue with Fritz as his little personality develops is that if he was in here with us, he would want to be a part of the conversation. Well, he that's... would not just sit here, and that's good. It's not an issue. It's it's a it's a part of his personality is that he's very chit chatty, very wants to be in in the loop. He would not just sit here and play with a toy at this moment of four months old. Which I think we could actually turn into an asset. Uh, which is why I'm now officially seeking permission to invest in a four track <laughs> recording device and multiple microphones uh-huh. so Fritz can have his own mic. Okay, maybe if we get if we get an, an aver- one advertiser. Okay, ever well again. Squarespace come back to us. It's been eight years <laughs> or whatever. Uh, anyway, so that happened uh, in May and now it's September. So that's almost half a no, it's not almost half a year. No, four months. Four months. It'll be four months on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but I've been. I I was with child. I was pregnant for nine months. Yeah, almost. Which or was a little last over. time we recorded. I don't know if we talked about it or not. I definitely not. It was so early still. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I was. I had just told work. I was probably like. I was like twenty weeks. I yeah. don't think I would have. If you go back and listen and and feel any clues, let us know. I don't. I haven't listened to the last episode, so maybe it was obvious, but maybe not. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. If we sound different, um, anyway. So that happened, and um, and it's been great. We're still here in Los Angeles. We uh, Lauren has had a very generous maternity leave, which is awesome. Um, although, as I've learned. It's anything but a leave. Like she's basically working three full time jobs right now. Yes, watching. that's exactly what you're supposed to say. Thank you. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's true. I, yeah, you're definitely working as hard or harder now than you are when you're employed. So yeah, which is crazy because I'm an insane person about work and I love working and I I'm really good at managing my time and like having time to myself and things like that, which I just don't think are going to exist when I go back to work full time. And I am writing a book. So like, I haven't started on that either. When I go back to work, I'll start writing the book too. And so I'm doing full time work, book and 
we have a baby. Yeah, thankfully that's we will thing. have full time childcare, and we are really lucky that we're able to do that. Um, but it's which is it's why we're podcasting more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So of course, what's the the logical next step is to re reinvigorate our podcast. Definitely. But but I do think this time I've had off, I'm really kind of not engaged with work right now. I'm starting. I will write down a story idea every once in a while but it's just i don't have the brain you when you're taking care of a kid you just don't have the like room in your mind to think about that kind of stuff um but i'm starting to think and get back into the groove for when i go back later this fall um but i think it's been an interesting time for us as people who just like to collaborate and talk about things we've just had a lot of really interesting conversations because because i wasn't writing my own stories we probably talked more about your work because it wasn't you know they i i wasn't working on stuff other than fritz yeah um she glossed over it but i'll i'll spell it out lauren uh also announced this summer that she's writing a book about Victoria's Secret, which is going to be published in what twenty twenty three or something? Know. We don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But she's going to be working on it, it next like, I year. I just got to finish it. Next and year. I'm super excited for. It. I think it's very cool. I think it's a, a great uh, intersection of of culture and business story. So, which is kind of what yeah. Lauren specializes in. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I have a co writer, Chantal Fernandez. It's going to be super great. We are. Has she been a guest on this show? Not yet. No, but some, you know, f- to promote the book. That's why we got to k- get this going. We're getting it going. So that so that we can bring Chantal on and and um, talk about the book once the book is done and about to be published so that people pre-order it, order it right. on wh- whichever yet, platform you prefer. I do not care. <laughs> rest assured, when you can pre-order it, we will let you know how. Yes, yes. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's kind of what's been going on with us. Uh, I think, I mean, that's, those are two big things. That's pretty much it. I can't think of anything else that important to offer as context. However, and I promise this is not going to become a, well, who knows, but we don't think this is going to become a a family or parenting podcast. No, but it could, this could become a thread because what is this podcast about? It's about intersection of fashion technology but also about our shared personal interests yeah and it tends to be about three or four things every single time and this is an additional thing that we are now consuming and buying and investing in etc and so i do think it it will come up again it's not going to be the the you know core won't be the focus we're not mommy bloggers yet as no. far as we know. However, it is going to be the first topic of today's show. So if, if, you, uh, if you can handle it, please join us. The thing I will say is, because I'm going to do a newsletter about baby clothes specifically. Even if you don't have a kid, this is interesting. I had no idea the complexity of this upcoming topic. So the first, first thing I want to talk about today is baby gear, which is kind of loosely defined as... Furniture, uh, products like strollers and chairs and other sorts of devices, uh, and then I suppose some clothing too. And this is the first time in my life where I've had any meaningful interaction with baby gear. I've kind of, you know, as a, as a man of the nineties, I've, I've kind of avoided babies until now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as a man of the 90s i just remember everyone always saying as a woman of the 90s well uh, i don't know I, I think as uh, uh, the, the man of the 90s was was trained by the media to fear babies and to be what to be afraid no of the babies. man of the 90s was a metrosexual who loved babies remember oh, okay. the term metrosexual of course I do, i'm sure yeah. that is extremely not and not okay couldn't say that no, no no uh anyway i um I didn't have any, I, I have no like family with young kids or anything like that. Other than our friends having babies, I didn't really have any exposure to babies until now. Yeah. And including I'm... especially all of the infrastructure and products that come with it. Yeah, 100%. And same. I'm an only child. I had some cousins growing up that I was close with who, that, who were. I think they're five and eight years or six and nine years younger than me or something. So I remember their stuff, but that mm. was, I mean, 
Yeah, that they're was in their thirties. Yeah. So it, it it was a long time ago, and I think you know our closest friends. There, a couple of them have babies, but a lot of them just had kids now, and some of like them like this year. Yeah, and some while of them, we've been away from them, so we like, haven't even there, seen them. We just I just never paid attention to any of it. All I knew was when we had a baby, I didn't want to buy ugly shit, which we've mostly avoided. Yeah. But, and and everybody says you can't avoid it completely because kids love really brightly colored stuff, and I we both like brightly colored stuff as well, but we just don't want the ugly brightly colored stuff. It is a little hard to avoid, I think, now, especially as he's getting more, like, he's a little bored with his play gym, which <laughs> is co- colorful enough and cool, but it's pretty minimalist. Yeah. I think he needs a goofier play gym, and that's the kind of stuff that is a little ugly. But generally, all I knew was that I didn't want to buy a bunch of ugly shit, which is really easy to do. Super easy to do. The The thing that I've, as a student of product design and design in general, and also just like the quality of, of production and um, industrial design, I've actually been incredibly impressed with the quality of design and functionality of a lot of the stuff we've purchased. I mean, some of it has to be really good because, for example, the car seat. And I think we have something called the Kleck Ling the car seat like literally is in charge of the kid's life yeah. in perhaps the most precarious place in in his life. So um so that has to be well designed. I'm sure there's well I, I know there's regulations about how seats have to be designed and um and this is one of the things where like uh, and and Fritz did show up a, a few weeks earlier than we expected, but regardless of that like I had an hour where I was kind of outside of the the room after he had been born. We've had this car seat in our car and I'm trying to figure out like okay, how does it work? How do I inst- how is it properly installed? I think I did actually install it beforehand. But yeah, we were... how does it install? How do you set it up? All these things and this was the first example of like I expected this to be an absolute nightmare shit show. Like I was going to have to really learn almost like a new way of of assembling things and have to put this thing together. It was remarkably well done. Like the instruction manual was clear. The instructions were simple and everything was pre-built. I thought I would have to assemble a lot more stuff than I had to. Another product that I have in mind is this thing, which I had never heard of before called a pack and play, which now everybody, I know everybody knows that, like, especially in the hospitality industry, we just got back from a trip and I thought I would have to explain like, you know, a portable baby crib and everyone's like you mean a pack and play yeah okay cool you know this term too i did not know what a pack and play is the pack and play we have i believe is from baby bjorn yes this is another thing we, we started planning this trip this summer okay we have this pack and play somewhere it's in a zipper bag it's in a box it's in the garage for weeks i put off kind of even looking at this thing because i was under this fear of and maybe i've just handled too many ikea products in my lifetime but I had this huge fear that I would have to, you know, in like set this thing up, create it from parts, uh, deal with a lot of tiny screws. I was I was panicking about that, and I don't know, like two weeks before our trip, I pull it out, I unzip it, boom! It's already been constructed. Like I did not have to set anything yeah, up. Yeah, that one was good. And. The way this thing works is that it's actually an ingenious set of, like, I guess, uh, tension rods. And it feels like building a tent, except instead of having to do all the work of building a tent, you just kind of open the legs and then chunk. And there wor- it works. like it, And it works really well. And it's really precisely made. And it worked the first time really well and was just astonishingly easy. And that's... To me, that was a, a great example of, of – and there's a lot of stuff that hasn't gone like that, like setting up the IKEA changing table or whatever, which did take a lot of small screws with two hands and that kind of stuff. But things like the Baby Bjorn, the car seat, the stroller we have from Kalugo, um, and in fact just purchased a second one in, in a smaller size. Like These are things that I was super afraid that I was going to have to do like real work to build them and assemble them. 
and be fearful of product quality. And instead, I've been really, really impressed with the design, the the documentation and how to set things up. Some are better than others. Please make YouTube videos. Over-communicate how all the steps are because it's it's easy. Uh, most people who are handling a stroller are handling it for the very first time. I had no idea what any of these parts did. Um, however, again, just super impressed with the build quality, the industrial design, and... The out-of-box functionality, that's a horrible jargon, but basically like just being able to take this pack-and-play out of the box, set four legs in a different angle, and then boom, we have a crib for the kid. Holy crap! Like That was super easy to do, really easy to take apart, and I'm just really happy. I think that's awesome. I, uh, you know, An industry I had, I had no exposure to before was super uh, like fearful of, of having to do all this work and was super impressed that I didn't have to. Well, I think because it's kids, it's children, and there are so many challenges with recalls and safety, it just has to be perfect because so many things get recalled all the time. And so if you if the design isn't really, really good, and good design is usually more simple right so how it works not just how it looks yeah um the thing that has been the most hilarious has been the white noise machine is so bad (laughs) right like it makes no (laughs) sense the the ux is it the ux yeah the ux on it is just terrible none of us know how to use it i only know how to shut it off and you have to press two buttons for 10 seconds to shut it off and then sometimes when i do that a new light comes on but the sound's off and it's just such a ugh. it's so annoying and the, oh, I'll show the you person who bought it for us it will never listen to this so i don't feel bad i do it was really generous of them to buy it for us but it is such a piece this is of one of these things shit. where apparently it's really nice for babies to have white noise when they're sleeping it, it kind of helps I don't, what does it do it i think it just makes it easier for them to go to sleep them. and i've read enough now that it's fine like it's not dangerous so in whatever. theory a white noise machine should be one button that just is on and off but instead the one that we've the one that we were we generously were given. given which I, did we request this one no it okay. was a gift it was a gift before i had done the registry but like from a friend who's a very practical person who is not I'm gonna grab it so we I mean, can she is expose it. highly intelligent and maybe just way smarter than us but i just i it doesn't work and a lot of people have that one because i remember we had a night nurse three nights a week for a few weeks after fritz was born and she knew it like it's very famous it's called the hatch something um and what it does is it it, it way overcomplicates the the situation you know a white noise machine should have maybe two buttons or three if you want volume. Instead, this thing has just one of these like touch capacitive strips on it, and then there's some volume buttons and some other function buttons. Um, it also has a lamp built in, and apparently it has Wi-Fi features that we're not using. Maybe it syncs up to an app. I guess it could be used as a Bluetooth speaker. Perhaps that's what it is. It's just like way overcomplicated. I think it does sync up to an app and it probably will be easier to use if we got the app. So maybe we should, but I just don't and know. And so I don't know what, why. And we're, I, now that, now that I just learned how you're turning it off, I'm going to suggest a different way for you to try turning it off and see if this fixes the other problem we're having, which is that essentially every night when I want to use it to put Fritz to sleep, I have to manually reset it by unplugging it and replugging it. And then sometimes even, finding a, a SIM card tool and pressing the hard reset button, which is something you should never have to do for something like that. So Also, it um, wasn't on this morning when I went in there. So it's probably turning itself off for some reason. It's just and it's just it's, it's dumb. just a, yeah. it's just shitty. It's dumb. One one neat thing is that the HomePod will play white noise if you ask it to, but I've also purchased a uh a very simple noise machine that only does noise and doesn't sound as nice. I will say the hatch no, white noise sounds very really, nice. It sounds really nice, and you can have like rainforest. There's like seven different settings, and, and that there's like, I like themed lighting and all this kind of stuff. Um, I'll show you the other way to turn it off, and maybe that will solve some of our problems. I don't know why it turned itself off. I I don't think I'm setting a sleep timer. Maybe it shuts off after six hours. No, I don't know. Because usually I go in there and it's not. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a ghost. 
don't know. I don't I think, think this house has ghosts. It's too new. The problem is that the home. I can't believe you believe in ghosts. Nice. I only believe in one ghost. This is a thing that a good friend of mine said she could never marry someone or date someone who believed in ghosts. And I do think if I had known you believed in ghosts when we first started dating, I'm really glad I didn't. I don't know if I actually believe in ghosts, but hmm? there was a ghost in my life at one point. Okay. Uh, but I was like three years old, so who knows? Anyway, super <laughs> impressed with the quality of a lot of the baby gear. Not all of it. Um, it you know what? I, I want to say, because I haven't been dealing as much with the technical gear, I kind of – I did research the stroll. Our really good friend, Elizabeth, is the um, head of marketing at Kalugo. So I did know more about that stuff. And the clec that we got, I don't know if it was a collaboration with them, but they sell it on their site. So it works with their stuff. And she was like, it's a really good, um, the clec car seat. It's a really good car seat. You should check it out. But you don't have to get that if you wanted to get Kalugo stuff. And it turned out, I, I did, it's really hard. It's like mattresses. It's the one thing for ratings and things. It's really hard to find actual information about this stuff online because there's so much kind of, I don't even know what, fluffed up um, reviews and stuff. But the this Kleckling that we got had been really top-rated reviews across the board. So I felt very comfortable getting it. And it looked pretty nice. Like, it's the the thing that is a little annoying about a lot of this stuff is it's a lot of it is has been made in a drab gray mm. to be kind of minimalist. But it looks, it ends up looking, it's kind of like a drab gray car. Like, you don't want that. You want, it just, it's kind of like everything is made in black now because of, because that's what, the trends are but it kind of but they have what what i really like about the cleck is it's black but has like a really pretty blue colored accents totally. so which i mean who cares um, it nice. but it doesn't look bad like yeah, it, it doesn't nice. make me shudder to look at it and the kalugos you know really are way better looking than anything else Including stuff that costs like four times more, and and we were we were potentially going to buy another stroller because the Kalugo doesn't do something that we needed to do, which is snap the car seat into the stroller on the smaller on the stroller. smaller the bigger stroller. stroller does, and that's why they, they did sell yeah. it as some sort of yeah. bundle. So we were going to get, was but we need a smaller stroller, so we were going to buy this other stroller. And base, it basically just because we needed this one feature. And in the end, we figured out a cheaper solution that we don't have to buy this other stroller. Because to be honest, like the the way this other stroller looks just 100% grosses me out, including the logo, yeah. which I know it's stupid, but like... No, it's a very I don't like wanna, 2012 yeah. horrible look. I don't want to have to push my baby around in something that's ugly Yeah. when I'm working so hard on his wardrobe. I wanted to be, <laughs> frame up his wardrobe well. But the thing I will say about, I did, I basically last year, obviously we couldn't really take any vacations, especially not only COVID, but also me being pregnant. Like I didn't really want to go super far. Um, I had a good pregnancy, but I don't know. It's my first pregnancy, and I just, you know, we just didn't go very far for a million reasons. So we did a lot of staycations, and I spent like all of my Christmas break researching, doing my registry, figuring out what we needed for the baby's room. The baby's room, Fritz was three weeks early. It was done by the time he we had him so because i was just like we got to do i i was looking at on those things and you have to do this at 32 weeks we did everything at the weeks that they said which i'm actually really grateful that we did it that way but i did tons of research and the thing that i found weird not weird and it kind of it kind of is the same problem as that baby stroller that you said was like a weird 2012 design they the baby industrial complex they're trying really really hard to be attractive to make attractive baby furniture and all of and baby equipment and baby toys and all that stuff but it's all like scandinavian modern and we have tons of that in our home but like that's not what i wanted for a baby's room i wanted bright colors i wanted 
it, it just it, and there I found that the only crib I liked there were two cribs I liked one was thirty five hundred dollars from this brand K A L O N I think it is Callen mm. and the IKEA crib that's seventy nine dollars a hundred percent I didn't like any of the ones in the <laughs> middle I hated them all because they weren't ugly but they were just kind of ugh. like it reminded you of that very specific kind of cheesy take on Scandinavian modern. It looked like crap you would buy at Office Max. Like it, bad, I mean it was white fake wood. A lot of it white, but even the stuff that was a li- that's a little more quote unquote elevated that's like five hundred, six hundred dollar crib. I was just like the IKEA one is way better looking. And in the end, I mean the the changing table is another thing, but it, they both are more attractive. And we ended up buying regular Ikea, Ikea furniture for his drawer and for, for like, a, we made a little bench and I insanely bought <laughs> Raph Simmons for Quadrat fabric and made like a, a bench pillow for him. So he has like the most expensive IKEA bench in the world now because this fa- fabric is insanely expensive. But which I think was a great compromise. Like we got the the cheap, nice looking utilitarian hard goods, and we customized the soft goods to get the look you wanted—a bright orange red pillow. We got a super cheap dresser for him because it was the best looking one, and just put in our own knobs, custom made, bright, colorful knobs that ended up. Probably costing the same it, price as the actual yeah. dresser frame, but I love it. Like I think it looks great. Yeah, and it's stuff that we would, especially the bench. Like we would have that in our living room in a second. Yeah, we'll and, find fifty uses for that pillow if we need to. Yeah, and I think the the thing that it kind of comes back to, if you want to think more broadly about the furniture industry, is that hollowing out of the middle is ha- like happening in every single consumer category but it's it's just so bad in furniture like you can either spend a ton of money or you can spend no money and in the middle just everything is ugly yeah. like the stuff that there is in the middle is not great and i feel like what we've ended up doing is buying more expensive stuff that we will we last forever not crazy expensive but like we have vitra is that what the, vitzo, vitzo. vitzo sorry they sold at vitra or something no okay we have vitzo shelves that's vitra i think that's vitra Your yeah organizer yeah my organizers of is vitra but we have vitzo shelving in our office which like we don't have a lot of it but we have probably the world's second cheapest vitzo installation but like it still was four shelves how much was it it was still expensive it was it was not cheap, um, but it was totally worth it because, as we discussed at the time, like, do we want to buy IKEA Billy shelves that we're going to throw out in two years, or should we just spend twice as much and get a smaller set of Vitzo yeah. shelving that we can build onto over the course of our lives? And we ended up splitting it differently in this house than we did in our last apartment, but it's still totally works and it looks great with everything yeah. and i think we maybe added on two more shelves or something and maybe once a year i'll buy another shelf yeah and i think we have pretty i don't want to say easy taste but like we like we went we are i'd say inspired by charles and ray eames's house in the pacific palisades mm. forever mm-hmm. like this has always been our thing so for us it's not hard to find stuff that's vintage that we like or you know it wasn't hard for us to buy a couch or we have like some really nice shelving mid-century shelving downstairs that kind of stuff it's not terribly hard for us because we're not it's not super trendy what were we we kind of our taste doesn't waver so much but it just feels like you can't buy i looked at crane barrel and west elm and all those places for cribs and things and i was like these just look like cheesy knockoff mid-century knockoffs like not even if if it's a mid-century knockoff that looked like a cool vintage piece i wouldn't care but it just like looks bad yeah. And and that's the frustrating thing about all this stuff and you do wish that made to order 
Because the other stuff that I really wanted for Fritz's room was like made to order shelving that I was trying to convince you was a good idea to spend $10,000 on because we could use it in another room someday and think i mean we would have never we did not do that but but i thought it but that's the thing like you either you either buy there's just not a lot in the middle where you don't feel like you're wasting money like you either want to waste money on super cheap stuff or you buy something really nice and then you're it's like five grand or whatever it just gets insane the missing middle I don't know how you solve that, though. You don't solve it. It's not never going to be solved. I mean, the the one solve for it is to create technology that makes it easier to produce things locally, especially. Or you find people who are okay with not making a lot of money and having low margins on their products and having a small business. Yeah. <laughs> Which neither of those things are happening anytime soon. Truly. Uh, okay, baby gear. We'll we'll come back to it someday. But yeah, I think I'm gonna write a newsletter in the next week or two about baby fashion. Ooh, Lauren, Lauren's back writing her newsletter. Tiny letter. What is it? Tinyletter.com/slash Lauren Sherman or something. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> but um, I am. I think I'm gonna write it because I'm really into the baby fashion scene, and I've created all these. Um, rivalries in my head about the... I haven't done any actual reporting on it, but um, it's... It's fun. I'm enjoying the baby fashions. I guessed it right. Tinyletter.com slash Lauren Sherman. Yeah. She sent one last week. Yeah. Two weeks ago? Something like that. (sighs) Um, All right, the COVID limbo. Yeah. That was your topic. Well, I think... I I don't know. I am feeling it's fashion week this week. I think you brought up fashion week and I was like, I don't really want to talk about it because I'm not there and I'm not engaged. But it did it, it just see I'm I'm trying to stay off Instagram. I just don't want to get sucked into it because it really doesn't matter and it's not my job right now, but I've been thinking a lot about like people are going to fashion shows sitting next to each other and not wearing masks and yes the delta variant etc etc we're going to new york for several weeks next month and you know we are just kind of we've decided you know we're both vaccinated we're we're gonna take that risk because we want to see people and you know there's business to do yeah yeah like we need to go and but but the thing is Fritz needs to have his first Servos uh, shrimp tail. 100%. No, that's not true. He's too young to eat solid Too young to eat solid foods. Soon, though. Soon, though, but not while we're there. No. It'll be... Next trip. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. It just feels like... It doesn't feel like this is ever going to end. In, in or for the next 10 years or so there will be some variant and we'll have to get a vaccine and that's fine but the risk level thing and the going into stores and things like that i mean we're obviously we're going into stores and and sort of sort of but we use you know when we were it's it's just i i think i don't really remember but i think the point was that we went to last weekend. We went over to Dries Van Noten in West Hollywood, and we walked around that store. Then we went to the Row, and then we went to the Real Real, and Melrose Place. That area, it's not like it's popping constantly, but usually there are a good amount of people walking around there because there's so many shops, and there just wasn't. And it does just feel like this weird time where people are getting together. You're sort of going back to life, but will we ever completely go back to life? And what changes, and maybe you can talk a a bit about what you all found in that latest Consumer Trends report, Um, because it's, is it ever going to be the way, are we ever going to live the way we used to live? I don't know. And how does that change like I've been thinking about what do I want to buy for or what do I want I want to buy when we get to New York but it's like 
not only do we not live there anymore, we live in LA, which requires different kinds of clothing and things like that. But it's just like, am I ever going to go out enough to justify (laughs) the price of stuff that I used to pay for, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, so last weekend we tried to do a two hour retail therapy session and it was not really fulfilling, like in the way it used to be. It was stressful. Um, We went into the outdoor voices store in in West Hollywood and, and someone was coughing awkwardly yeah, and we're like really... oh, let's get out of here yeah. there were other issues with that store that we don't yeah. we don't need to t- well we'll talk about that in a minute um but I, one of the things i do now and i don't know if uh, i talked about this on the last show we did but i produce uh, a series of trends reports um we're doing two this year with a venture capital firm in new york called coefficient capital so if you check out my site newconsumer.com slash trends you can sign up to read these reports for free. This latest one was a 49-slide deck, and the previous one we did last year was over 100 slides, kind of looking at the COVID commerce trends that we think were going to actually become long-term trends and not just fads. And our idea for this year was, let's put out a report in the middle of the summer that's essentially like a check-in on some of those those trends. And we kind of were calling it the reopening special for a long time because, especially when we started working on it in March and April, like... Things were reopening. People were going back into stores. Um, it looked like this thing about the Roaring Twenties was maybe going to happen. Hot vac summer. Everyone was getting vaccinated, at least you know in a, in the uh, in the demographics of people who spend a lot of time in stores and and restaurants, like the the creative classes, etc. Like people. There was this energy that like, okay, not only were things going to go back to normal, but things were going to go, the, the the rubber band was going to extend far past normal and we were going get, to get into this new phase, the reopening, where people are going to be doing even more stuff than they did before. People are going to be partying harder and spending more money on travel and experiences and all that kind of stuff. And we started putting together this deck in, in May and in June part of this was we did we do a poll of uh, this time we polled more than 3000 people and essentially every day as i was going in to build slides and update slides and add new data sets and update data sets that acceleration curve looked like it was basically like flattening and then drooping and it's very weird what's happening like this the re- it ended up being the the, the quote unquote partial partial hyphen reopening special, but I kind of wanted to just call it the reopening question mark, question mark, question mark. Like it's, it's very strange what's been happening. Some of it has been, I I would say most of it has been the Delta variant and just this fear of people getting sick, even after being vaccinated, not even necessarily the fear of themselves getting sick because the vast majority of people who are vaccinated. And even if they do get infected, do not get a serious COVID infection, but just the repercussions like, well, if I get, COVID, am I going to pass it to someone who can't be vaccinated or, or who is susceptible to, you know, getting sicker than a normal person, for example, a baby or an elderly relative or something like that. Um, and so it seemed like this great reopening crush that was going to happen has really pulled back. You know, we're, there were, uh, there's still a lot more weddings on my Instagram stories than there were last summer, but there are also a lot of weddings being postponed and, a lot of events, you know, I saw some tweets from people who are like, uh, if, you're, if you're an event planner, I'd love to hear what you're thinking about Q4 because right now it's not looking good. Like there are a lot of in-person conferences that are happening. Apparently the Salone Festival in Milan is is right now, but I guess it's just mostly Italian brands because the global yeah. brands sat it out again this year. There's a lot of stuff that seemed like it was concrete, like, okay, we're going to really have a an amazing 2021. Um, I think that also maybe, I don't know. There's just so, there's so many complex parts that it's really hard to isolate one or two as, as being the reason for the way things are. But like, you know, other people are like, Oh, if only we'd stayed put one more year, then next year would have been the year where everything goes crazy. And I think, I think the reality is like, it's not. And actually if you, to Lauren's point, like this is now just something that we're going to have to live with for, for indefinitely and there's a really great atlantic article by ed young who is just a fantastic science and health writer kind of drawing out now like okay here's 
what it seems like the path forward is going to look like and basically that the epidemic uh you know we're going to keep having these isolated epidemics and coronavirus will no you know covid will no longer be a novel coronavirus but just an endemic virus that much like the flu or even the common cold is just something we have to deal with to a certain degree adds risks for some things we'll be getting booster shots etc but now if you try to apply that lens to retail or you know experiential um anything or travel or whatever it is like at what point and maybe it's a generational thing but at, at what point do f- people feel comfortable doing certain things? Like we still don't want to eat inside in a restaurant. No. A lot of people are comfortable with that already. You, you see it. Um, but we are not. We just traveled for two weeks and I don't think we ate inside once, did we? No. We, we was, almost did that one day and then they had an outdoor seat. They had an outdoor seat. We're like, we will sit outside. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I encourage you to check out that deck because it's really interesting. It also shows that like the – the way that people are are re-engaging in personal um, kind of habits and spending is much different than the way they're re-engaging with work and professional things. Like the the return to the office is just not happening. Like I I, I get this update once a week from this company called Castle, which um, is in the business of basically making the key card entry portal for for your office building and i'm just looking at it right now like 31.6 percent of people of occupancy right now in office buildings and it's funny it varies by city like new york 20.9 percent which is down from the week before and in fact it looks like things really peaked in like june for a lot of these cities and have gone back down so Super weird limbo time. I don't know what, what it, you know, I, I guess the benefit is like people are just going to keep doing e-commerce. Um, people are going to. I, I personally just want to know what it means for my life. <laughs> what it means for your life. I mean, I think it means that we're going to keep eating outside. I don't mind that. I and, mean, that's why we live in LA, but I, I don't know. There's just, I feel, and there's no, they're there yet. Everybody's kind of going at their own pace. It, it'll it'll work itself out, but the kind of order of the way thing, the order of the universe, has not settled in again, and that is stressful for me personally. Yeah, <laughs> I either I mean, want it, it to be here or there. It feels weird, and it feels like, as you say, a limbo. And like going back to our original thing, like the retail therapy, like. We'll see what it's like to stroll around Soho. I think we're going to be shocked at how many storefronts are empty and just like how dissatisfying it is to be popping from shop to shop. Yeah, it, it'll be – we should try to do a podcast while we're there. Oh, we will. Um, okay. Anyway, I think – yeah, it was just not – the context was that we had a babysitter for the night. Two extra hours and we Saturday. Yeah, and we had her come – at four so that we could go out and run some errands and stuff. And we were so excited. And we were like, I, I really wanted to go to the Dries store. Just, they have an exhibit. at, the, And that store is beautiful. It opened during COVID, which must have been strange. But um, it's a cool store. They have the entire collection. I love Dries. You like Dries also. They yeah. also have an archive collection, which I think is brilliant. They have vin- vintage and like old season stuff out that – you know, you can still buy and, um, it's not sale, it's archive. So it's, I don't think it's, um, lower price at all, but then they have like an exhibition space. I just really wanted to go there and check it out. And I don't know, it just, it, it's also probably part of partially where we are in our lives and all that, but it just was not the experience of going around there was not satisfying. Even though at the real, real, especially there were tons of people. It's happened. People, a lot of ma- a lot of matcha lattes with oat milk. Yeah, yeah, that that ordered. scene. Um, but and and I was saying to Dan that in Soho before the pandemic, the real real there was all always just crazy, which is just mm. like kind of shows what the future of retail is and all of that stuff. But I don't know. It just used to be more fun. Yeah. To walk around, and we tried to go into Rachel Comey, and they close at five. On Saturdays, a little which, early. 
I mean, that might just be because they staffing stuff, which is so True, many yeah. of these companies are dealing with right now. So, True. yeah, I hope that y'all didn't feel like um, talking about COVID limbo is depressing. But On that note, our final topic for the day. It's not as depressing, is it? No, you want to talk about workout clothes. Oh, yeah. Which I think you wrote a newsletter about. I did write of. a newsletter about workout clothes. I just, I'm curious to know from you. So my newsletter essentially, so I used to really, really like, and I also cover these companies. So there's, and I don't cover them as a fashion critic, which would actually be pretty interesting, but I cover them as businesses. So this is my personal preference as a consumer, and that's separate from the way I cover them as businesses. But I I was a big consumer of Outdoor Voices when it first launched. I also covered that as a business, and that's a whole other thing and challenges that they've had, and I don't know how they're doing right now. But right now, I'm not interested in it as a consumer. Um, they might be doing better because it's more mass market. I really don't know. I have not been reporting for four months. But what I know is that I had all this Outdoor Voices gear from like 2014, 2015 when I got really into running and I had sort of never replaced it. And I'm not interested in, for women, there's a lot of like studio fitness stuff and I pre-pandemic took tons of studio classes, but the aesthetic there, which is like very matte, lots of black, lots of muted tones, lots of solid colors. It's just not what I want either for working out. Like I, I just, I don't know what I want, but I know that it doesn't exist. And so after I got the clearance, six week clearance to exercise, we were really fortunate. Um, Dan's dad and stepmom were here for several weeks after Fritz was born. I was able to get away. I would run errands or like, you know, go for a, starting at six weeks, I could go for a run when they came over in the afternoons. And, you know, it was super hot here. So I wasn't doing it all the time. But the day I got the clearance from my doctor that I could exercise again, it was just so such a big part of my life. So I went out and, you know, I just I'm my body's weak. It's like repairing itself. It's it's not what it was in 2020 before I got pregnant where I was running, you know, six to eight miles, three days a week and felt like I was basically in the best shape of my life the the month that I got pregnant. And so I wanted to buy some new workout clothes and I thought I would just do Nike. And I had like a very specific idea of what I wanted. And I got a couple things from Nike and they're fine. They're good. But like, it's not exactly aesthetically what I want. And then I looked at Tracksmith, which I did buy a few things from there, but it's, and I was able to, I like it. There's a pair of little running shorts that I've actually just started wearing to run errands and stuff. They're not really for working out. And the other stuff I got from them, it's nice, but it's just not, I don't feel good in it. And then I got, then there's this brand Sporty and Rich, which is like, we've probably talked about it. It's very funny, bourgeois kind of take on athletic wear and athleisure and her inspirations it feels very like rich tennis court 1991 bike shorts and sweatshirts and gold chains and like I love that look and I bought a couple of things from that line and it's fine it, it it's good but I don't again I just didn't feel good in it and it didn't feel like the best performance gear and so I ended up buying a pair of Lululemon bike shorts, which are, they, I feel like I look the best in them. They work the best. And it's like not a brand that I, I relate to at all. I've, again, I've covered them. I've covered their rise. I covered their fall when they had issues with product design and all that. And they were able, and leadership, and they were really able to turn it around. And I don't know how their stock is doing right now, but generally... Like, they make a really good pair of leggings, and so they are the market leader, other than Nike, I would say, for women's activewear. And there is a reason for that, 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 and I don't know, that was a very, very long, you don't need to read the newsletter if you didn't already, because that's exactly what it said. Stock is at an all-time high. But, but yeah, I mean, they, 
they literally made me look so much better and feel so much more comfortable. And I was just like, I hate that they have a little logo on the back. I don't want to be associated with any brand really, especially, you know, Lululemon, which like aesthetically is not my thing, but they win. And I don't think, and I'm curious to know from you, like what you, what you like. And also I, I just wish, I mean, I guess this is the hollowing out of the middle sort of, but it just feels like you can only be like a really, really big brand or really tiny and you're going to be aesthetically pleasing if you're tiny, but the fit might not be so great or you'd be really, really big and you're not like the exact aesthetic feel, but the quality is just so much better that you have to have it. I don't know. It's... Because that's the kind of thing that the quality actually is going to be better at mass um, production because they get it the same every time. When you're dealing with smaller production for stuff like this, quality is going to be hit or miss. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. If you're dealing with smaller production for like high-end clothes, that's different because there's attention to detail. But for this stuff... It's actually better, I'd say, to be mass because you just the the machines and things they're used to making the same thing millions exactly of it or <laughs> exactly the same. There's not going to be like a, a nuance to it or whatever. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm just curious if there are any workout clothes that you're really liking or let us know. I'm still wearing the same Nike shorts and shirt from like four years ago. Yeah, you don't have any interest. Do you have interest in getting more stuff or no? No, I I struggle to find um, running shorts that have zippers on the pockets so that my phone doesn't fly out. And some of them have like one pocket with a zipper. I like both. I ended up buying some New Balance ones I ended up not liking. Um, I'm just really happy with these. And the Nike pants for the winter are great too, so... Yeah. And they're not ripped, so I'm just going to stick with them. Yeah, it's like Nike and Lululemon. What do you, there's just no yeah, I, really I actually else. really liked the New Balance J. Crew collaboration from like, I don't know how many years ago that was, four, five yeah. years ago. But they stopped doing it, just for the shirts mostly. But yeah, I still have a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting. I just wish there was, there are some good brands, like a lot of my friends like Aloe Yoga. Mm. Um, there are good brands. It's just not anything right for me. And that it's just frustrating. Yeah. Well, and, and Satisfy Running is cool, but a little too crazy for me. Well, and honestly, I really like it. But I think I a, bought a glow they in don't, the dark Yeah, they don't me. have women's. And I know you can wear men's stuff, but it never fits right. And B, it's too expensive. It is really It's like just a little too expensive. We both spend a ridiculous amount of money on clothes, and we'd be happy to overspend. It feels too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Alrighty, great. Well, that brings us to the close of the main topic section yeah. of our newly organized podcast. <laughs> and now at the end of every show, we're going to talk about some stuff that we've done recently or yeah. what, what we're listening to or what we're buying or what we're what, where we're going. Um, this time, I thought you'd talk about this trip we just came back from and some of the stuff we loved on the trip, some of the places we ate and loved. We were initially going to drive to Seattle, but... There's just too much wildfire smoke between here and there, and especially with a three-month-old baby in the backseat, you don't want to take any chances. So we stuck mostly around the Bay Area, had a really great time. It was fun to be in San Francisco for a week with no work meetings. That never happens. Um, It was really fun. And um, I think my favorite new place, well, a a few actually, I really enjoyed this sushi place in Oakland called Mujiri, which is just like... Super low-key. They have like three or four things on the menu, I think. Really, really just delicious, high-quality sashimi set that I had. They also do sushi, obviously, and um, just loved it. Kind of low-stakes spot in in Oakland. Um, Highly recommend. I really liked Anchovy Bar. That was great. Which is a more casual place from the State Bird Provisions Group, I think. Yep. And it was really fun. We had a good time there. Um, what was that place called that we went to that was the bowl place? Oh, the e one. To with... Cambian or something like that. We're... Oh, yeah, that was fun. 
Let me look up. Anchovy bar, just to add a little more to that, was really incredible. It was one of those rare meals where you're like, I would order every single thing we ordered. Again, we had a really great oysters that were actually probably the best oysters I've had in a couple years. I've been really disappointed with a lot of oysters, especially kind of places that don't really, I don't know, that don't, don't really, whether it's the variety or I don't know what it is. I'm not sure whether it's freshness or storage or just kind of where they're sourcing them from. But anyway, anchovy bar, really fantastic oysters. We had fun uh, bocarones. We had a yummy tomato salad. We had some veggies. It was just really fun. And um, they have really nice wine and cocktails. I think they had cocktails too. I don't know. We didn't drink any cocktails. We had some wine. Yo Um, Yo space. I think this place is called Yo Tambien. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Yo Tambien Cantina. Yeah, it was... Really fun and great. I really enjoyed that. Casual too. lunch bowls. I think they also do dinner, right? Yes. Didn't get to do that. Oh, and then we went to that Italian store and had yes. charcuterie, and that was amazing. What's that place called? I don't know. I'll find it. It's in the, uh, was it the Dog Patch or Portrero uh, Hill? Portrero Hill. It's next to Ruby's Wine. It's called Elementary something. We'll, we'll, uh, hold on. Alimentari Aurora. Yes, it was really great. Where the guy Dario basically sliced us a bunch of meats and cheeses, and we also had um, some sort of tapas, Spanish tapas type thing. Yeah, it was super fun, and it was great. Potato chips. And also, we are having this new experience. We were always early eaters, I would say. I mean, especially the last few years as we've gotten older. But we had this experience of basically, like, going to places at five o'clock to eat because yeah we're now doing that on purpose yeah because we need to get home to put fritz to bed so we weren't you know we were giving him his his due sleep but it was just really fun we had a great time and san francisco is doing the outdoor dining thing really well i would say like they've i agree allowed restaurants to build out the parklets into the street which were some of them are really nicely done hot mic Um, sorry about that and and then a couple other spots. We went to a, a town called Paso Robles and had a really delicious meal at Finca, which was oh, like yeah. wood. I don't know if it was wood fire, but some sort of grilled octopus. Like it's a Mexican restaurant. They had really great tacos. I think one was like a mushroom taco that was just fantastic and really so good, good grilled octopus. Um, in a town we'd never been to and really had no intention on ever going to, but yeah. it was super fun. And um, And of course we finished our trip with our what's become one of our new favorite restaurants bells in los alamos and had just a fantastic they do a a casually casual ish tasting menu um where you know the go-to is the steak frites yeah steak au poivre and just perhaps the best steak au poivre i've ever had now twice um, and just really 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 well done french fries i just can't recommend it more it's we went in February last year, yeah, or February this year, this year um, as a kind of anniversary slash, I don't know what we told pre-fritz. them. Pre-Fritz. I don't know. Thing. And it was our 10th wedding one, anniversary oh, in April. Yeah. And it I was like, we were it was really one of the best meals I've ever had. It's second time lived up to it. Totally. Just one of the best restaurants in America right now. And just exactly the kind of like. Super casual, not pretentious at all, but amazing food, and it was just it's it was great. We we had such a, and really this trip was very much just super focused on eating, and not because yeah. there was we did find I found a cool vintage shop in San Francisco. The name I cannot remember right now, huh. but um, yeah, I don't know where I got some new on Clement vintage Street, jeans for like near Park Life fifty my bucks each. Store. Um. And there, you know, we didn't do a ton of shopping because it just isn't, I don't know, it's just not in the air right now. But we just had a really nice time eating good food and um, it was I mean, good to be back. We successfully avoided out. the main retail area of San Francisco. Like we did not go to yeah. Market Street and go to Macy's or something. No, like the that. only thing we did was we, we went to Target to get we did go to Target. A, a designer collaboration for um, baby clothes. Yeah. Yeah, Christian Robinson, I highly recommend it. All right. And go? then lastly, um, 
the exhibit at SF MoMA right now, if you're anywhere near San Francisco, uh, let me pull it up. I don't want to mess with the name. Nam June Paik at SF MoMA. Really, really cool mixed media exhibit. Um, really just inspiring and, and just fun. It was super fun. SF MoMA, really well done. Yeah, it was wonderful. All right. Well, that concludes our, our season 12 of uh, season 9 of The Needle in the Mouth, season 10, episode 1. I don't know what season we're on, but it doesn't matter. We will attempt to do this again soon. And um, you can always reach us at Needle and Mouse on Twitter or I'm From Dome. Lauren is La Premidi. You can email us at hello at theneedleandthemouse.com. You should definitely check out my website, The New Consumer, because we don't have a sponsor. So please check out newconsumer.com. Check out the articles that I've done recently. Definitely check out the Trends Deck, which is available for free. And if you are interested in the intersection of consumer, marketing, packaged goods, food, beverage, technology, consider a membership. Uh, Your support would mean a lot to me and will also help us make more of these shows, especially if I have to buy some new mixing boards or something like that. Thanks, as always, to Alan Lawrence for this delightful theme music, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Alan. We miss you. Bye. Bye.